Welcome back to Shredder's Not Dead. If it makes you bang your head, we'll talk with them or about them. And I'm joined today by my good friend, uh, Eric, from uh, many bands, including Run, who have just finished up a gig at Inferno Fest. Is that right? Uh, yeah, we played uh, yeah, yesterday. And I'm just going to be an asshole to correct you there. Room. Ah, uh, no, thank, lot, thank you for the correction. People get that mixed up. They call us Run to use, which would have been weird if you asked me, but uh, yeah. The rune. Rune. Okay. Well, thank you for the correction. Um, where does that come from, by the way? Is there some meaning behind that? Um, both yes and no. I think the, the main reason is probably that in 2017, when we started out the band, we went so many different names. And uh, we found so many names that thousands of thousands of other bands were also called so we uh, and i really liked enslaved a lot at the time and i i know you you interviewed uh Eve, Sunday. Mm, yeah and uh uh he wasn't playing on that record but the record grew from 2006 or something uh that's where i that name was first introduced to me uh, then i was like that's a cool name does any band have that name and then I checked it was no no other bands by that name and uh if all the other old school bands can name their bands from bands they like why why can I <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and it's uh it's always uh, a little bit of a nervous time think, isn't it you've come up with this great band name and you're frantically searching the internet oh my god has anyone else done this yet or <laughs> exactly um uh, what I've heard is like the it's a term for like old old Norse term for chaos, like as in ruin. Uh, that's what I've been told, but uh, oh. I, I can't really fact check that. But uh, that's what I've been told, and I think that's a good, uh, cool way of describing it. So I'll I'll just go with that. <laughs> yeah, I like it, and you know, you're adding your own meaning to it as you go and as the band grows, hopefully. So yeah, and also good mo- good morning to you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, morning's right. <laughs> uh so it's um yeah for those listening at home uh what i'm eight hours behind and a day or something ahead what does that work out to like anyway it's only just ticked over 7 a.m here and uh 11 15 yeah there you yeah. go <laughs> yeah so inferno fest look the lineup was absolutely huge. I was hoping to make it over, but you know, time and money and and uh, thirty hours worth of flights sort of stopped that from happening. But how was it being on the same bill as you know Cannibal Corpse and Vitane? It must be pretty uh, pretty exciting. Uh, of course, I mean, I never I never thought when I was like sixteen years old and started the band that like ever uh, poster like that. But uh, we made it to uh, the club shows. And uh, not only did I play with the Rune, but I also played with my other band, Steel Tigger. Uh, so I did uh, two shows in a row. Um, like we were the first two bands on yesterday, like uh, Sunday, and we were really scared that uh, not really many people would show up. But uh, it was packed. That was really really cool because uh, when it's like four days of a long, tiring, extreme metal festival, I really get that really bothered to see everything but that didn't bother uh, the crowd yesterday it seemed so 
it was a really good show. But uh, first sharing a poster with a band like Cannibal Corpse and uh, with other cool bands like Offshi, Necromantium, the list goes on. Uh, but of course, Cannibal Corpse being one of the biggest death metal bands ever, and we are one of the smaller death metal bands in the Norwegian underground. So it's quite a quite a cool experience and a cool thing to to have knowledge. Yeah, for sure. And it's something, I was, <laughs> yeah, no, completely understood. And uh, you know, something I was interesting in picking your brains on a little bit is that you know Norway, Oslo in particular, is known for its black metal. I think it's the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people musically when they think about you know um, metal in that part of the world. But of course, there is a pretty rich death metal scene as well, and love to hear have a uh someone who's pretty deeply involved in it thinks it's going at the moment and and if, if there's any uh interesting history of that that you want to bring up I'd, I'd love to hear it yeah i mean um because inferno has always been known they started in 2000 i think it was either 2000 or 2001 but it's been like this staple for black metal as a festival for so long and uh i mean there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, black metal is, is is nice in its many ways, but uh, I think for me it got really like it went really quick from a cool thing to discover, like really really young, like a super raw energy and extreme music that you never heard before. And for me, that kind of I don't know, it kind of went away not too long after I discovered it, and then. Bands like Opus, Cannibal Corpse, uh, etc., Morbid Angel, and those kind of bands showed up and just immediately grabbed me because the riffage and the, I don't know, like the quality of sound and the intensity and just something else, and it just grabbed me way better. So that's one of the main reasons why I, I myself wanted to do a death metal band because uh, in Norway, not not as much as Finland, but in Norway we have quite a lot of black metal bands for uh, <laughs> for a person there. Um, so to have some more death metal in the mix never seemed wrong. And uh, as soon as we started the rune and uh, got more involved in it, much more nerdy about it, we discovered that Norway has a lot of good death, death metal bands, and uh, the scene is there, and it's always kind of been there, but it's way 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 smaller than the poster boy that is black metal uh, for, for norway and uh i think what's really cool now is that uh with the festival that i'm co-arranging uh or, or organizing oslo death fest um this is going to be our first year uh, taking place first weekend of december so that, that's gonna be fun and uh with the announcing of that we really saw huge the growth and popularity uh, around music and the scene, uh, Norwegian death metal. So uh, one of my main goals and focus was to showcase the Norwegian scene and the bands of, of the genre. There are bands that are good, and uh, you see like other Scandinavian bands like Denmark now, they're just shooting out all these death metal bands everywhere, and everyone's like, oh, the Danish scene is so good. And it is. It's really, 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 really good. But uh, I, uh, me being in 
in the middle of uh, Oslo right right now and seeing what's happening here. Uh, it's really important for me to like showcase and bring out that Norway also has something to offer. Mm. So it's quite uh, exciting to see uh, how it's going to go and how it's growing. There's way more fans in my age group now that's starting out playing that little thrash because I think the the population in general now, extreme metal music-wise, like black metal has been said and done for quite a long time now, especially history-wise for Norwegians and the Inferno Festival being such prominent. And we have a bunch of these other black metal festivals like Beyond the Gates, Imperium. Uh, so it felt natural for me to think about something like Oslo Death Fest because have like Killtown Death Fest, Copenhagen, and Helsinki Death Fest has been doing its thing for years now, and uh, Reykjavik Death Fest in Iceland. Mm. Uh, so, uh, and I made this, I, I booked this because I never did booking, like I haven't done booking for a year even. Like I've always been doing booking for my bands and stuff I do myself, but I really want to start doing something for other bands to try and see how. That will work out. And then I did this uh, underground thingy with some friends of mine called December Destruction, which happened the 10th of December, that was now, and uh, got four local local death metal bands. And it, it got packed. It was really, really, really great show. And uh, we sold out. We had to shut the doors and everything. So that was like the catalyst for mo- motivating me the Oslo Death Fest. Uh, yeah, looking really, really fun and prom- promising. We're also doing some one-off events to throw some hype around it and see if people are as thirsty as I hope they are. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And in terms of inspiration on the Oslo scene, you know, um, when you think of Scandinavian death metal, I mean, I think the big scene that sort of came to mind was the Swedish scene what, back in the 90s, um, you know, you had Entombed and all the, the myriad of bands that came with the Chainsaw Sound after that. But we also don't live in an age where we're restricted to trading tapes with our friends. We have the internet now so we can discover whatever metal we like whenever we like. So what um what sorts of bands do you think are really influential? What sorts of sounds do you think are in the Oslo death metal DNA? What's the What are the things that give that particular scene its, uh, its sound? Uh, good, good question. I think, um, what's, what makes like Norwegian death metal more like what gives it its character is, uh, ironically black metal, uh, because what I think a lot of the Norwegian death metal bands, uh, are really good at is, uh, like showing passion and showing like this really raw, rawness to it and uh, this atmosphere. Uh, as like our obliteration with their uh, latest record Cinetap Obscure really just captures that really really well like building this atmosphere this rawness but it's still death metal by its core and I think multiple other bands managed to do to do the same because uh, like the Swedish sound is so straight with the uh, thrash beats and the HM2 pedals but uh, I really like yeah, use of my minor chords and Tons of reverb, uh, but still 
this wall of sound, which is Norwegian death metal in fires. So I think that's where the main character of like the Norwegian style comes from. Is like the old, old like black metal uh, soul to it, because Dark Throne started out as a death metal band and quickly turned in, in, into black metal. But Dark Throne always had like this harsh and raw and like rhythmic thundering down to it, which definitely has death metal potential in it. So. Mm. I think that's like the main roots, I guess. Yeah, I think um, you can hear a little bit of the Soul Side Journey era, Dark Throne, and a lot of the Norwegian stuff even now. Um, but it seems like, as you say, to be less about trying to be a Dark Throne or trying to copy that. It's just sort of a byproduct of this uh, the Norwegian tendency to go for this really raw, uh, thunderous kind of sound, and it's it's really really cool. Um, yeah, a big fan of that sort of stuff. And so you've got Rune and you've got uh, Filth Digger as well that are among, you know, I think you've been involved in some other bands, if I remember correctly, but they're the two you'd say you're most involved in at the moment. Yeah, uh, I'm a little crazy and uh, I got way too many projects. Uh, I think a lot of the people who are passionate about culture and extreme metal tend to... I don't know, uh, put too much stuff over their heads. Said mm. in Norway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's the uh, rune is my like child or like baby. It's like the first real serious thing that I ever did with my friend Magnus, who's the bass player. Started out with a drummer called Hobart when we uh, started at mu- music school together. Uh, but then I joined Phil Digger two years ago. Uh, that band has been for like 10 years now. They needed a, a second guitarist. And yes. And, uh, I just, 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 it's uh, a year ago now. Uh, Sion, the bass player of the Norwegian band Blood Red Throne, he asked me if I wanted to do some vocals for this new project he was doing. Uh, of course, yeah, sounds killer. And, uh, uh, it's called Celestial Scourge. Got the EP out now on um, Time to Kill Records. It's uh, brutal tech death stuff, some slammy breakdowns and stuff. Like, not usually my, uh, I don't know, expertise when it comes to what I am comfortable playing with, but uh sounded like a cool challenge and I took it and it was a really fun experience doing it. And uh, I thought the turnout was really, really great. We got on on drums. We got Christopher Lund, an amazing drummer, like one of the best extreme metal drummers in all of Norway, if you ask me. And uh, we got the so it was like mainly us three doing the EP, and then we got uh, uh, Hans Jakob and Sindre Vatna from uh, Norwegian band Deception, which is a more like melodic death metal stuff. So yeah, now we're like this full group of guys from who all play in different death metal bands and uh, so it's like this stupid really niche small underground super group <laughs> in some weird way um, the bloodbath of norway like, no i wouldn't say that but uh <laughs> co- combined we have shit ton of bands uh within that one group 
we're getting some new demos now. I'm gonna make an album pretty soon. It's gonna be cool. And that's like one of the more active ones now. And I play in also this duo project called Uma, which is with uh, our current drummer in Rune as well, called Ivan. So we did Uma before Ivan joined Rune, which is like the sludgy, experimental, noisy stuff. It's just like a like a playground for me and Ivan to do whatever the F we want to do. Those are like the four main ones, but I also got like some side stuff as well, and also the booking and festival stuff. So yeah, it's quite a, a map. Yeah, gotcha. Keep yourself busy. And when you're uh, when you're working, you know, playing guitar, coming up with riffs or, or lyrical ideas, does it become immediately obvious to you which of these projects that you think it, it fits, or how do you go uh, compartmentalizing? so many different creative outlets uh, when, you know, you're, you're trying to be creative and something comes to mind. Um, is, is it immediately obvious to you, oh, this is a rune riff and this should go in a song there? Or is it more a case of whatever you happen to be working on at the time, you might try and come up with something and make it fit for that project? Mm, I mean, the bands work in such different ways. I mean, uh, with the duo Uma, we just jam out stuff. It's just me and Ivan playing uh, together and just playing stuff, just jamming and jamming and jamming. Then we record all the jam sessions, just uh, put all the parts we like together and we call it a song. <laughs> uh, so that's really like self-made. With Rune, it started out with me doing most of the composing and uh, yeah, the riffage because at the time, I was the one who had the most songwriting experience. But now, with time, I, I really wanted to involve everyone because we're, we're just three guys. And I want everyone who's involved to have a saying in, in the music. I think that's important to share, uh, I don't know, the expression of it. So with Rune now, we're doing more jam session stuff. I come up with some riffs and I record them and then I show them to the guys and they either they like it or not <laughs> but with field Tigger, it's more uh, i'm not the main songwriter there at all it's just uh, i i made one song for the new album which is coming out and uh, mainly the other guys who did the stuff and writing for that basically mainly just jamming the basics i said i still scourge is like the most uh i don't know like the most planned like we tab things out we record it and then we send demos, but uh, I, I I only do vocals, so it's not really, I don't really have so much to say about the instrumentals, but of course, if I think it's shit, I'll say it's shit. <laughs> uh, so all the projects have like their different ways to go, but I think like the main thing is just to get together in the room, being present and just throwing stuff out. That's like the best thing that's been working for me in general, though. Bit of change the topic. How are you finding uh, booking and promoting at the moment? Uh, how's the the scene going in terms of shows in general in Norway? And are you? Uh, I, I hate talking about COVID uh, in particular <clears throat> with interviews and whatnot. But are you finding that everything's uh, bouncing back past that, or is it um, you know fundamentally different now? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, these are topics I've been thinking about 
for quite some time now. I mean, again, my booking career hasn't been that long, but uh, with the time I've been doing or been involved in any, any concert gig or any cultural event, because uh, I work as a band host as well, one of my part-time jobs, uh, and then we get all the sales reports, stuff like that. And of course, with the stuff I book myself, we get all the sales statistics, etc. cetera. Uh, what I think is the most scary part as of right now is, of course, pre-sales, how we were so reliant on, on pre-sales to know if we're going to be able to do the, a show or not. Um, and like with all the Facebook events and stuff like that, you could get like an estimate of how how many tickets you would sell, and they would usually pan out. But today it's just total like shot from the hip. It's like it 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 could be like a hundred going and two hundred interested, in, and it's gonna be like fifty people showing up and like four people at the doors. It's uh, so different, and we can have shows that have. Because uh, the venue I work at is called Revolver slash Kneven, which is like this basement, small, small stage. It it has like a max cap of 150. Mm. And uh, one day we sold like 20 tickets on beforehand uh, in pre-sales. And then in the doors, we had like 80 not to 90 people showing up at, at the doors. And that's just like, it's just stupid. It's like, how can you, you, you can never really figure out anything on yeah. beforehand. It makes things so unsure. And I think that's one of the main things I'm worried about for Oslo Death Fest. That's why we really hope that the Norwegian uh, death metal spirit awakens quite soon now so we can get some stuff going. But I, I know there's been people uh, from other countries as well uh, who bought their festival passes. That's, that's comforting. Um, but uh, COVID, I mean... Because how a lot of these festivals work is that you have contracts that you sign, festival contracts that like, you're binded to play this festival in X amount of years or X amount of months, etc. Uh, so a lot of these bigger bands uh, had like so many festivals, like these summer festivals queued up for now two years, two, three years because of the COVID shit. Uh, and now we get to see like this huge halt and like this huge... Uh, overflow of like queue bands all has their stuff delayed now they want to catch up and it's insane like all the tour buses in europe were pretty much they were all rented out at a certain time so uh, a guy that i know uh, replacing like thousands of bands he was gonna do a germany tour uh but they couldn't because all the nightliners were fucking <laughs> rented out so because so many bands are out touring out, everybody wants to play, everyone's hungry, everybody wants to catch up all the stuff they lost during COVID, and I get that, but it's quite a, a terrifying thing. Because like, when is this like queue is like when is it gonna even out? Like how uh, it's like the tsunami effect. Like how is it gonna like eat? Like is it ever gonna even out? Are we ever gonna stop having like festivals announcing? lineups two years ahead it's like so everything's still really really new so i saw that maryland death fest announced their lineup for 2024 May. oh jeez yeah it's it's stupid but yeah i get it because they want to do they want to be sure that 
they are going to sell out. They want pre-sales to sure, so that's why they're doing it so far ahead. But it's like it's chaotic. Like, and now I got to book for my own bands because I do all, all the booking myself. So like now I got to book stuff for like late 2024. Which is like who who the fuck knows what they're doing in late 2024? Like, it's it's crazy. So I'm really scared to see. Well, it's exciting slash scary to see how that development will evolve. Mm. This will ever e- e- even out, or if we are going to be stuck in a queue for like years plus every. Yeah, and it kind of mirrors a lot of what uh, a lot of the bands I talk to in terms about new releases talk about too, is that it's just such a tough time to release an LP or you know, to release anything really, but it's the LPs that you probably put the most money in, want the best return from in terms of sales, um, where there's just so many bands that all went, oh, well, I've got nothing to do except write, and now they've got an album, two albums worth of material that they've been sitting on ready to go, and there's just complete saturation and the general public only has so much money to spend on shows and on albums, but also so much attention. And as much as I love heavy metal, there's only so many records in a day I can listen to in terms of the amount of time I'm awake. (laughs) And it just seems to be the same thing that everyone's just playing catch up still. And, and I think naturally over time, it'll have to even out somehow, because, you know, as you say, not everyone can tour at once with all the venues being booked and all the buses being booked for, for traveling and all that. But it's still, who knows how long that'll take to set back to normal, right? Yeah, it's uh, weird times. Uh, and what you're saying about like prices and stuff for merch, so many people complain about prices of merch, et cetera, but like, it's not that weird when you think of inflation, when you think of merch cuts. Now that's a huge topic now about venues and festivals taking same amount of merch cuts. Uh, so like Cannibal Corpse sold t-shirts that in Inferno for like 400 kroners. I don't know how many. You got dollars or something. It's about, it's about 75 off the top of my head, Aussie dollars. Okay, yeah. So, and for a regular peasant, <laughs> that's the... Uh, way too much for a fucking t-shirt so yeah, so i totally get that people don't want to buy as much merch or as much records because people are struggling just to pay the rent getting fucking food on their table so like the whole dream about getting your lp out selling it out and stuff like that is never in my eyes fucking harder than it is right now uh, me being in the same boat as right now we're going really slow, like the physical sales are, of course, better than they were 10 years ago. We look at it, but uh, still such a, a tough game. And, we, and like we waited for our LP to get pressed like almost a year, or I think just above a, a year or something, uh, which is actually kind of not that long for some other bands that we heard that waits like almost two years for their LPs to get fucking pressed. So, I don't know, like, I think what's exciting there is that it should make a more interested in building more, like, vinyl pressing factories, like, more uh, local, like, underground uh, presses and stuff like that. So, 
And some people have already started that, but I think it's going to be cool to see how the physical format might like return in such like in a way larger scale than we've seen before. So we find if that ever happens. Yeah, no, it's always interesting to me to see that uh, even with all the different streaming and internet-based services, that the uh, the diehards still uh, flock to having physical copies of things. I think it's really good. Um, but yeah, who would have guessed when you know CD came yeah. about and and when we started having all these uh, new technologies for listening to music come about that we would need more facilities for pressing vinyl in the year twenty twenty three. Yeah, obscure. You know what I mean, like for me, like physical formats. I I was never really that into CDs because I thought it was a really, I don't know, like a messy format. Even though it's smaller and way smaller than LPs, I guess. But something about the LP when you get to get like it's a bigger experience. You get like full cover. Probably get like some stuff inside, and you get like whole, whole like the whole record and. I don't know. It just feels more fulfilling than to have like a small, compact CD thingy that you just chug in your car. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, some, in some weird way, because uh, we toured Germany uh, in September with Filtiger with this awesome band called Tripy Brood, and uh, all the Germans just wanted to see, see CDs and uh, no LP. Like we sold LPs, but everyone was asking for CDs for some reason. And for us Norwegians, that's like, what the fuck? Like, CD, that's like Stone Age now. Because LPs are doing a comeback for us now, but so many other bands in Europe are, are still onto CDs, and uh, that's still, like, thing. I don't really get that. It's just how it is. Because, uh, so, if I'm, I pl- I'm planning this uh, European tour with December, and I don't really want to press CDs for our latest album, but I think I'm going to have to do it just because that demand for CDs is way higher than I thought it mm. Yeah, for me, it was this thing where I started buying them young because, you know, it was quite expensive to get a record player here and to buy LPs as well. And so at any point I could have jumped, uh, but I just kept getting CDs for a long time because it's what I already had, but... More recently, I've uh, started migrating my my collection over to LP, and I uh, regret not doing it sooner. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's um, it definitely seems to be a regional thing as well. Different parts of the world like CD, different parts like vinyl. That it's all yeah, good, I guess. Uh, Supporting your favorite bands is the important bit. Yeah, I mean, all in all, it's just uh, buying the music from the bands you like. Uh, speaking of, you're in Australia right now, and uh, the Australian death metal scene is getting really good attention now. Uh, here we pay a lot of attention to the bands coming out there, and uh, Rune is actually doing a gig with the uh, Faceless Burial on the 6th of June in Oslo. That's going to be fun to combine two uh, different parts of the world with this combining death metal force. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun to start uh, mixing like the same 
and uh, like energy ambition and spirit of all these death metal bands by like all across the world like it's different i mean of course it's been like that for many many years but i just feel that it it's getting like this new uh, breath of fresh air like way more in now because like death metal was super super big when like more of the angel made fucking videos mtv and shit <laughs> and uh and in like the early 2000s stuff too, it was just completely dead uh even though a lot of bands were putting out good albums still uh but now it's like so many bands are pumping out so much quality good shit the faceless burial is quite yeah absolutely one of the better ones from australia also uh band alters really really solid band so it's gonna be fun to have them over here faceless burial with the band Mortuous from the US. So it's fun to be able to bring, like to bring in some really far out outsider bands, like the small Scandinavian country to show this Norwegian stat that like <laughs> there's good death metal all parts of the world. And uh, I think it's gonna be fun to see in the future uh, if we get some more uh, rotation, like if it's gonna be easier cycle bands from all around the world but as of right now with uh play tickets and shit like that it's, uh, and it's i guess it's always been like that it's a little far-fetched thought i guess but uh again back to the talking so fast <laughs> back to the australian scene how like have you are you focused more on like the black metal scene or are you also paying as much of attention to the other styles I think when it comes to Australian extreme music, uh, we don't have enough people for the size of our country to have the luxury of hyper niche scenes. So you'll see the same people turning up to a black metal gig for the most part that you will a death metal gig um, or a a prog death gig or a death core gig. one thing that I have seen a lot of is an increasing crossover in people that are interested in, say, hardcore. And I think um, uh, a band like Speed doing really, really cool things, but a more your traditional hardcore, um, but also have that sort of thrashy HM2 pedal sound going for them that attracts a lot of people in the same way that... Uh, you know, we had um, Into the Fall Festival organized by uh, Lachlan Watt from the band Run, actually, R-U-N, Run. <laughs> and should uh, do a tour. <laughs> yeah, you, you actually should. Um, yeah, <laughs> Lachlan, if you're listening to this, mate, book Rune for, uh, book Rune for the next one. Great band. Um, yeah, but you, you get a little bit more of a, a crossover between these things. But I mean... You know, since uh, since the Hiatus Murder started doing their thing, I think Death Core in particular is probably one of the bigger underground scenes here. Uh, everyone wants to be involved in uh, post-hardcore, Death Core, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we took a lot of inspiration from the American uh, sort of 90s, early 2000s scene in that sort of stuff. And to be honest with you, it's never been my favourite genre i've always been more interested in you know um you know opeth are a great example um 
Norwegian black metal, obviously a huge influence on me. And we never, we had bands that did it, but I don't think we ever really had a full blown scene. Um, you know, I think Destroyer Triple Six were pretty big at one point uh, and moved overseas to pursue what they were doing just to be closer <laughs> to uh, to where there was more of a scene for it. But yeah, we just don't have the, uh, we don't have enough bums in seats or, in, you know, in the case of metal, uh, enough people in the, to get in the door to be picky about our subgenres. So I think that's maybe why the hardcore metalcore genres tend to really dominate here. Um, that's my two cents. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that might disagree, but yeah, broadly speaking, that's sort of the state of the, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. What you're saying there, I mean, I think a lot of countries and cities can relate to is that, of course, uh, how many people live in Australia? It's about 26 million. Yeah, we got five. So mm. <laughs> talking about small scenes, I mean, of course, uh, if you go to a, a black like a black metal show, you will, of course, usually see some of the people for death metal stuff, thrash stuff. But um, still, like, just Oslo specifically, of course, in a really small scale, but in some scales that we have, like, see the same people going to like Dawn or Doom stuff, same people going to the more death stuff, black metal stuff. But I think it's nice that like when it, there's so few people, if you see it like in the big picture, uh, I think it's nice to some form unite all the different subgenre bands to like kind of like force them to the other stuff like uh thrash metal lover would be more like okay there's no thrash shows others oh, a death metal show i'll go check it out like like to to get more a unity with everything and i think what's been kind of fun to see now is more uh, more like metal metal are starting to get very hardcore and punk i think it's mm. kind of cool and, and vice versa to have like more punk people that listen Grindcore and death stuff. Uh, so I, what I think is nice about things being underground, being small, even though usually people will have this elitist, narrow-minded view at things, but sometimes it can also open for this unity and like the sharing of uh, ideas and expression. Quite a nice thing, but uh, of course it would be nice to have more people, bigger scenes, bigger everything, but uh, uh, make work with what you got. Yes. Yeah, ex- exactly. And it's it's always been this really weird sort of thing to see bands insist on you know, over even sometimes just the silliest things like a, a guitar pedal. Like you have to have this guitar pedal to be in this scene, or you have to record your drums this way, or you know, you can do these drum beats, but you can't do these or you're not in this genre. Um, it becomes really tribal and it's bizarre when you consider that metal as a whole, you know, there's a lot of similarity between thrash and death and thrash and black. And it seems that we all get better by, you know, being exposed at least to other bands and having to work with other scenes and, and see what we like and don't like about the genres that we aren't, 
the most into, if that makes sense. I think it works out better for everyone in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, but I mean, when it comes to, I'm like a subgenre nerd, so I I always like what creates like the character characteristic uh, of mm. uh, the different subgenres. Like you can use these types of blast beats, this order, this setting, turns more into blah blah blah, and because all music works like that, like all the different jazz styles or blues styles like use different kind of arrangements different kind of yeah is instruments way way the way you compose the way the song is structured um so i i still think i don't like putting stuff in boxes but i also think that the boxes should exist to i don't know like look at it like a sandbox like like a sandbox like that that you have like this huge you have a box but you can fill it with so much stuff you know so death metal is like a huge sandbox of so much different stuff you can put in still death metal and uh of course music is totally freedom of choice you can do whatever the fuck you want you can put some saxophone over a blast beat and call it i don't know i don't know (laughs) but i think um how it's become and to like have like this family tree and have a, have like this mapping. I think it's really makes things more available and more easy for people to explore and, and find other stuff. Because uh, I never heard of like death grind or fucking brutal tech death, like stuff like that. And to characterize those things and to know, like then you know what you get. And then it's going to be like, oh, I'm going to go look at more like brutal tech death bands because that's what you want to look at instead of like so it makes like mapping and makes your direction uh, when it's like to ex- ex- uh, explore new music easier uh, that makes any sense <laughs> no I'm definitely with you and you know you can look at it and say okay well what are the things that influenced the bands that I currently like and then explore a whole new world of, of earlier genres and it works the other way as well. You can see, okay, well, who who else was inspired by this band and had the other way as well? And it becomes a useful tool, I think, for exploring. Um, there's definitely some merit in having these things labelled. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it's cool to think of it as sort of a sandbox where you're sort of playing around with these things and, and exploring relationships between different bands uh, and in different musical concepts. I think that's, <clears throat> I think that's why one of the main reasons I went like down the whole death metal path, because if you're going to look at it as a sandbox, for me, one of the smallest sandboxes are black, like black metal. Uh, or to call something black metal, there's such a narrow path what I've experienced that other people have interpreted black metal, like what, what char- characterizes black metal is like the, not that much you can do till people who start, like they will start to uh, call it something else. Like it's not black, it's not actual black metal, it's something else, but with black metal elements. Mm. But with, with death metal, I saw like this huge, 
way bigger sandbox with all like cosmic death bands, brutal bands. Fucking, you can just put pretty much every subgenre and put like either death, like front or back of the word, and it would still have by its core death metal because the mindset of usually like death metal musicians and bands is that because uh, people always talk about how like passionate and, and, and raw black metal is but I think you have the exact same passion raw and death metal, but like other setting that for sure when you feel like this heaviness on your chest like this this uh, anger brings emotions stuff like that like it's just as raw and just as passionate as anything but uh another setting rest another way so i think when people say that the death metal lacks passion lacks like this rawness i, I think it's totally off <laughs> that's my my opinion so i thought that death metal was all around more just yeah just more because it had like all of the elements that i could find it pretty much almost all the subgenres that I've been learning about and it could still have the branding depth on it. Mm. Uh, so I think that's why it stuck with me the most. That's why uh, that's the genre I'm exploring the most every single day. Why I will keep on doing it, keep on also making that music because I've always wanted to make raw, intense, free music. But uh, I, I never had any intentions of labeling my own music, but then it soon turn out that I can do death metal because I can do a lot of like I can just widen a lot and still call it that it death metal because some people will 100% call that rune is the 100% true old school death which it isn't uh, we got some minor chords here and there we got some atmosphere and yeah some you know, some, some happier <laughs> stuff in there but yeah. uh, it, in my ears it's still death metal because we have that energy that rawness of that uh riffage like characterizing genre that's why i will keep on trying to keep myself within death metal uh, it's the biggest sandbox keep on that term <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think you're spot on about the uh the way that the black metal label is often quite restrictive and i think for that reason there's a reason that we have blackened death metal and no one talks about death and black metal because yeah once you start throwing these elements in suddenly the black metal elites want nothing to do with it this isn't black metal and you know I, we were talking to eva and and he even made the comment of like oh you know people enslaved aren't a black metal band or you know and, and that's fine if they want to say that but if you want to talk about early enslaved and and say oh well they don't belong in the black metal scene then that's ridiculous you know they were there they were writing and and uh and influencing and and it had all the you know the minor chords the atmosphere the the blast beats at times um but it seems to me that death metal you know i'm starting to stretch this argument a little bit but it seems to me that death metal has this beautiful thing where it's much more forgiving where you can have all sorts of different uh melodic ideas all sorts of different um rhythms going into it different tones and and it's still death metal it's just whatever type of death metal you want it to be uh, it's got a lot more creativity yeah. i think in that respect exactly and i mean there's nothing wrong about <laughs> it's like 
if you like eating pasta, it's totally fine to eat pasta if that's all you want to eat. But uh, if you want to put some other shit into that pasta, that that would be nice because like black metal be like being black metal and keeping it stuff true in its sense. There's nothing wrong with it as long as you don't judge any other person who makes something else. But uh, and it can also be comforting to know what you're gonna get. Like hear the word black metal, you know, pretty much instantaneously what you will get. Some people find comfort in that. I totally get that. I mean, there's uh, nothing wrong about being picky about your own music and like keeping it safe, I guess. But uh, that's not how my brain works. <laughs> and I think when you talk about Slade, it's like one of the most inspirational bands of mine. Thus, Rune is also <laughs> the name of the band. Um, because uh, yeah, of course they were a part of the early black black metal scene, but they um, I think they're one of the very 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 few bands that has kept the black metal spirit within every single record they've ever put out. Mm. I listened to all of their records multiple times, and you can have like their most proggy new stuff, but it's still by its core you will still feel like. This is black metal with something else, uh, and that's really impressive because there's not many bands that I could say the same. So that's what's always been really um, impressing with the Slayer and how all those guys have been, like they've never been scared of doing something else. They've still some weird way managed to still keep it by its core the same, and I think that's probably the goal of mine as well to like try and always evolve and, and what comes to mind because people evolve your brain evolves your taste evolves but it always by your core be the same good person you know what I mean? so to keep like the foundation as best as you can and just build different fucking houses on top of it weird metaphor <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that's about uh, what I've got time for. I've got to go run off to work and do my adult responsibilities for the day soon. But uh, I got to go to bed soon. <laughs> yeah. Funny how that works, isn't it? Um, if you got anything yeah. else you want to add, any anything you want to plug or uh, yeah, I mean, Rune just recorded two songs now for a seven inch. We're uh, looking for some labels. We want to try and get some more stuff out because uh, I'm not really interested in doing that independently anymore. And of course, doing Oslo Death Fest, uh, it's the first time we're doing this. And uh, it's the first week of December. Stuff is out on Ticketmaster, tickets, festival passes, day passes. Uh, they just posted the new, uh, like the new lineup with the kickoff and everything. And uh, we got some other one-off events. So if you ever want to visit Norway, I'm gonna say hi at the Oslo Death Fest. Gonna be good. It's gonna be raw, brutal, and uh, deathy. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, hopefully, we'll have part two to this chat when uh, when Arun announced their Australian shows. God knows when. <laughs> yeah, it will be something. Arun in Australia, 2024. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, let's uh, let's make it happen. 